0: Hey, what's up? It's Emily, and I'm pretty sure that compassionate, coordinated healthcare is something on the top of everyone's mind. That is why I love Live by Advantia Health. From primary care to mental health and gynecology to obstetrics, Live understands these are all connected and important to you. Live is a membership-based practice in the heart of D.C. that prioritizes your experience. Plus, Live accepts all major insurance. So take charge of your healthcare on your schedule and choose Live. Learn more and become a member by searching for Live by Advantia. L-I-V by Advantia.
1: Hello again, everybody! Welcome to another exciting edition of the, the Big, Big Red, Red Boss. Boy, oh boy, do I have a special guest today—the great Sean Heiken. How you doing, brother?
2: See, Red Fred, my man. I was so excited when you sent me a message the other day asking if I could come on. So I'm, I'm fired up to do this.
1: Oh yes, I mean, what a time! I mean, our last conversations over the past few years have been such downers. With the team, you know, pretty much in the doldrums, and. And now with the Red Leviathan appearing, I, I think you're pretty excited, too, to discuss the beloved.
2: Well, the Bulls are back. I've been saying it. I've I been saying it when it hasn't been true. Now it's sort of true. They have a real coach now, which I think is, you know, maybe the biggest upgrade they've made in a long time. But yeah, I mean, I can't say I've watched every single Bulls game this year, just, you know, not being on that beat on a full-time basis anymore. I, you know, I've kind of focused more on just the, the whole league, so I can't say I've watched like ev- every team, you know, every single one of their games. But, yeah, you know, I've been keeping an eye on the Bulls. I, I like what they're doing. I like what they're building.
1: I'm curious to get your opinion outside of Chicago. How do you feel Zach Levine is perceived? Is he is he perceived as a superstar, as a foundational player, or is he got the Nick Friedel kind of view where, ah, oh, he's an empty-calorie scorer?
2: Well, I think it's a little bit like Devin Booker, where he wasn't, he seen as an empty calorie scorer until this team that he was on started winning, and he was still playing well. Like, if you remember Devin Booker, who's now, you know, he didn't make the all-star team last night, and the whole entire NBA was just outraged about it, and he was named as an injury replacement. But the knock on him before had been, you know, he just puts up empty numbers that, you know, the Suns are never good. But then, you know, the eight games that they played in the bubble, and The year that he's had this year it's like okay now they are a playoff team and he's still putting up pretty much the same numbers he's still as good as he was when he was just putting up numbers on a bad team I think the same thing is starting to happen with Zach Levine I when I saw that he was named an all-star yesterday I felt like he probably deserved it I you know the numbers he's putting up are pretty hard to argue with he put up good numbers in the past but the fact that he's still putting up those numbers and now they're winning I don't think you can really throw the empty calorie thing at him now, as far as is he a superstar, is he a foundational guy for, like, a championship team, Is he looked at that way around the league, I don't believe that at this point that he is, because if he was, there would never be any question about this upcoming contract situation. There would never be any talk of, oh, should they trade him? Should they pay him the max? Is that somebody who's worth investing in him they would just do it now i'm kind of i don't really feel one way or the other about what the bulls should do because we still don't really know what the philosophy is of the new regime in terms of what their plan is long term but i mean yeah i think around the league it's pretty much thought that zach is having a great year i don't know if he's quite at the you know dame steph curry uh james harden level of like The guards who are like, these guys are no doubt about it franchise guys. I think he needs to do it for a little bit longer Mm -hmm. before they, you know, before he kind of gets put in those conversations on a team that matters. And I think the Bulls are, they're not contending obviously this year, but they're closer to mattering than they have been. And he's still putting up those numbers. He's putting up the best numbers of his career this, this month. So, I mean, he's definitely taken a huge step forward.
1: I think there's no doubt though. I mean, as far as like, does he get the max? There's no question he will be. You can't. Oh, he'll get it, point. but it's just—it's just, it, it's just yeah. there would
2: never be a question of should the Bulls be the team that gives it to him. Somebody will for sure.
1: Yeah, I. I think but it's he's just quickly, like
2: if yeah. if he was seen in the same light as some of those guys, they wouldn't be talking about whether the Bulls should do it because gotcha. it would just be obvious they should, right. and that's yeah. still a conversation.
1: So that big, people are having—that is true. I think in Chicago, that conversation is, is kind of now being minimized. I mean, I think mostly uh, the vast majority of the fan base believes unequivocally, uh, even if they're not the biggest Zach Levine fan, he's gonna he, he's played his way into getting a max deal. He absolutely will get one after after next year. It's just a matter of, you know, will it be here or will he be moved? And uh, I, I think there will be now, at this point, general outrage if he's moved. I just sense that now he's he's become arguably the most po- popular player in Chicago right now. I did want to ask you a big topic of conversation right now is Thad Young. So I don't know if you've seen how good Dad Young has been this year, but he's clearly one of the better players in the NBA in terms of on-off numbers. He's been the second-best player on this team to me. I don't even think it's debatable. And he has built a strong bond with Zach. So the question is coming up here. Like I think he's even got a chance to be sixth man of the year, uh, despite what's going on in Utah.
2: But, well, I think Jordan Clarkson is going to win the award, but I could see him getting some votes.
1: Absolutely, right. So, And I, I tell you what, if the Bulls finish strong, it's possible that Thad might even get more votes than you'd think. But regardless, I agree, Clarkson will get win it, um, but he'll finish second. He should be. I, I don't think there's anybody who's playing better than, than, than Thad Young off the bench. The question is now, and Sylvie, I, I got into a big argument today with him on this, do you trade Thad Young? Um, he's got one more year left on his deal, which pays him fourteen point five next year. And the question is, if you trade him, this team, there's a good chance it's going to crater. It's, he's been that important to the success of this team, and there's a chance we don't make the playoffs. Right now, as we stand today, we're to succeed. If, if you were running the team, would you trade Thad Young for younger assets, even like a late first-round pick, or do you keep him and, and get these young players the experience of the playoffs?
2: Well, I don't know. I don't talk to Arturis or Mark Eversley. I don't know what their thinking is. So, it's the two questions you have to answer if you're them, and this is a question that's kind of presenting itself. It would be a little bit of a different discussion if he was expiring and he was going to walk at the end of the year. Then, you know, I think the, the argument is a little bit more clear that you know if he's if he's clearly not going to be back, it could be like a Taj Gibson situation a few years ago uh, when they traded him to Oklahoma City and they knew they weren't going to resign him. Yes. But The two questions you have to ask yourself are what are your goals for this season and what are you going to get back? Because if your goals for this season are, well, we're trying to tank, we're trying to get another high draft pick, then yeah, you do trade Thad Young and you get some, you know, another asset or whatever. But I get the sense from the Bulls just you know not talking to anybody in the organization because again i don't know anybody in the new regime i knew people in the old regime but the the new one is is you know kind of elusive from a media standpoint but Mm -hmm. i feel like they kind of like what they're doing this year i feel like they like making the trying to make the playoffs i feel like billy donovan is not a coach that you hire if you're trying to rebuild more and you know get more high draft picks and tank and you know Billy Donovan has coached teams in Oklahoma City where you know it seemed like going into the year they were going to tank like last year in Oklahoma City when they traded uh, Russell Westbrook and Paul George it seemed like that team was going to be terrible and then they were actually in the playoffs and took the uh, Rockets to seven games in the first round i feel like all the signs are pointing to they're trying to make the playoffs And in that case, I wouldn't trade that young. I would hang on to him unless you get some crazy offer for him. And I don't know what that's going to be. I think for a guy who, even though he has been playing great this year, is still coming off the bench, I think a late first-round pick is probably the most you can expect. And I know Arturis is a big draft guy. I know he was involved in, like, finding Nikola Jokic in the second round when he was in Denver. But is another late draft pick more valuable than getting these guys like Zach Levine and Lowry Markinon and Kobe White the first playoff experience of their careers the first meaningful games they've ever played in in their yeah. NBA careers no, I would actually argue that I would actually argue that you know making the playoffs even though yeah they're probably going to be a low seed and lose to Philly or Brooklyn or whoever in the first round like those playoff games like that stuff matters that that like that stuff you know these that's how you shed the reputation of being a Devin Booker and just putting up, you know, numbers. And you know, you can say they're developing on on these kind of bad teams. But you know, the the reputation flip kind of happened with Devin Booker. You know, going back to kind of that Zach Levine comparison during the bubble last year. And I know they ultimately didn't make the playoffs, but they went eight zero in the bubble, and they were kind of seen as this is the breakout surprise of Devin Booker. This is Devin Booker's moment. Now he's playing in meaningful games and. He has been as good as he was when he was playing on bad teams. You want to get Zach Levine. Zach Levine's never you know, you're talk we're talking about how he's, you know, is he a superstar, is he a franchise cornerstone. He's never played in a playoff game in his career, and neither has Lowry Markin, and neither have any of these other guys that we're talking about as this young core, getting them that experience, even if they're probably gonna get demolished in the first round. I don't know. I I lean towards keeping obviously Thad young is not untouchable, I think if you get a really good offer for him that's like some, if you get like a really good first round pick that like could be a lottery pick or you know if you get like a, an offer like that, maybe I would look into it more, but for just like a late first and salary filler, I would just keep this going and just kind of ride it out and and see where you land in the playoffs.
1: I agree if Golden State calls and offers you that Minnesota pick that could be four or five or six, yeah. Right, I, that's I, I, different. If I knew it. Get, right? if you can yeah, get that
2: sure.
1: pick, yeah, go, yeah. Absolutely, but realistically, there, you know, the Celtics are desperate for front court help. I think the Celtics would offer their number one for Thad Young. They have that trade exception, and Thad Young goes there. He makes the team better. Realistically, they're picking twenty, twenty-one, right around there, twenty-two. You're not going to find the, the odds of you finding a superstar twenty twenty-one, twenty-two. It's much more likely you find a back of the end rotation player. And you hurt the development of the team because I really think they'd miss the playoffs. He's been that good this year that I think they would potentially then start to falter and miss the playoffs. And I just, I, I agree with everything you said. And I think that's the question, right? What's the delineation on what you take and what you don't? Um, and I, the Celtics are one of the biggest disappointments in the league right now. They're, what, 500, I think, or a couple games under. Why, why save them? Why throw them a lifeline? We're only a game, half a game behind them right now. You know, so um, I, I don't know. I, it's a really tough question, and, and I understand viewpoints on both sides, but there is an importance in making the playoffs, as you said. I have a theory on what the Bulls are building, which is Portland East. <laughs> so, okay. so let's compare Zach Levine to Dame Lillard. Dame Lillard's, what, 30 years old? Zach Levine's yeah. right now at 25. Very similar players, not known for their defense, offensive-centric, uh, can score anywhere, great range get to the line, you know, they're very similar. I think Dame's a slightly better passer, um, definitely a better passer, but, you know, Zach's got some advantages too in height and in and, and potent- potentially athleticism. C.J. McCollum, not a, not, but I think Dame Loward is not a true point guard. He's more of a combo guard. The same with C.J. McCollum, more of a combo guard. Uh, 29 years old, Kobe White, obviously not in the same sphere as C.J. McCollum, but, again, a combo guard. They've made it work. What is The reason Portland hasn't gotten to the promised land is because they, they're missing that third guy. They've never really had that. And I think the Bulls are creating Portland East, and that third guy's got to be Patrick Williams. What say you?
2: Well, I think it's a little bit of a leap to put Kobe White and C.J. McCollum in the same uh, sphere. And I realize that you know there's a huge age gap and a huge experience gap. Kobe White is way too inconsistent, I think, to be... In that conversation, because even in CJ's career, we can throw out his rookie year because he barely played. He had a broken foot. He was, and you know, they had Wesley Matthews at that point coming off, uh, and so he was coming off the bench. The, the few times he did play that year, but he was never as inconsistent or as turnover prone as Kobe White is right now. And I understand, like I get it. I like I get that they're like the similar archetype mm-hmm. of player. I definitely think that Kobe is a little bit more of a chucker than CJ is. I think, you know, one of the reasons that the Portland thing with those two has worked so well is because Dame and CJ can kind of alternate playing on versus off the ball. And they're both, you know, unselfish players. They're both, you know, willing passers. They're both good passers. uh, And they both kind of can score from anywhere. I think Kobe, like, that's like the ceiling for what he could be as a player. I think it's a pretty huge leap considering what we've seen so far to just assume that he's going to get there because, you know, I mean, sort of development and stuff is, is not linear. And I also, I also feel like you kind of fall into this trap of, and I'm not like saying just you specifically, but just, I feel like people tend to fall into this trap of whenever there's an up and coming team with some young guys that look like they're developing into something to try to draw parallels with a specific other team that kind of had a similar... Because remember, remember like, back when Oklahoma City had Durant, Westbrook, and Harden, and yes. Ibaka? And then every next few years, like, when Oklahoma... Or when Minnesota, rather, had Andrew Wiggins and Karl-Anthony Towns, like, that's going to be the new Oklahoma City. They're this new up-and-coming team. Or,
1: yeah. Yeah.
2: you know, the pre-LeBron return Cavs. Like, whoa, they've got Kyrie Irving and Dion Waiters, and, you know, that's going to be the new... Uh, you know, that's going to be the new, like, Stephen Cly- that's going to be the new, like, whoever. Like, there's just this There's this tendency to just, every time, you know, there's this new up-and-coming team that comes up that you look at and you say, hey, I have some promising young guys, just be like, well, it's going to go exactly the way that this has gone. And you can just compare the pure encore talent. The Levine-Dame thing is interesting, because I understand, again, I understand what you're saying with them having a similar, you know, type of game. Yeah. And, you know, being guys who can score from anywhere, I get all of that, but the stuff that, I mean, what Dame, the the reason that the Blazers have been as successful as they have and the reason that they've overachieved to the degree that they have, considering some of the injuries they've had over the years and some of the, you know, weird rosters and, you know, supporting cast that they've had over the years is because Dame is arguably the best in addition to being, you know, a, a all star, like a perennial all star, all NBA like this year, you know, arguably an MVP candidate, he is the best like leader and locker room guy and culture setter guy in the entire league. Wow, I believe that that's true, and I don't think there's really many people who would disagree with you on that. And the I mean, the the other thing is the Blazers—they missed the playoffs his first year. But every other year since then, they have made the playoffs when, you know, they've had injuries, they've had whatever. I don't see Zach Levine as a guy where whatever team he's on, they're going to make the playoffs no matter what, just because he's that good and he's going to will them to it. Like, I, and I think, you know, having that, whatever that ingredient is that Damian Lillard has, I don't think that's something you can just say, well, they're averaging the same amount of points and they kind of play the same way, like, so, so Zach Levine is Damian Lillard. I just, I don't see Zach kind of in that same light. And I guess the other thing I would ask you is, is Portland East really what you want to be building? I don't see, I mean... The Blazers are good and they're you know, they're good every year and you know, they're consistently in the playoffs and stuff, but you know, they made the conference finals one year. They've never made the finals. They've are probably not going to win a championship during this core. I mean, I don't know where that falls into the C-Red prophecy where it's like, seven, is it like seventh seed this year? Yeah, the number seven pick three years in a row, the seventh seed this year, seven and then seven years in a row of making the first or second round of the playoffs and getting eliminated instead of that seventh championship ring. I think that might be what you're building if you're looking at as East <laughs> comparison.
1: I will push back, first of all, all great comments. One of the things you said is what I was really trying to get at, which is where I can envision. There's a big movement here. Uh, there's a I call them the ball boys who want to get Lonzo Ball in to play point guard. There's like this movement that, oh, the Bulls the bulls need a point guard. we got to have a, a traditional point guard. And my counter to that is it's worked in Portland because you have two guys that could – they're combo guards that could, you know, run the point, willing passers, but also play off ball. I think that's what Levine – and, and White can become. You don't need a traditional point guard. I think the Blazers, I think it's unfair to say the Blazers have always, you know, first of all they got to a Western Conference Finals although they got swept. I don't believe they've ever had that third guy. That's the issue. I don't think they've had enough talent around Dame Lillard. Am I wrong? Am I missing something? Like, who was the best third guy that Dame Lillard has had? Well, they, is it Nurkic? Well, I mean, come on. Well,
2: believe- they well, I mean the thing the thing with Nurkic is that he's always injured. Yes. He's been very effective when he's been healthy over the years. He was great in the bubble. He uh, was great the year that he broke his leg before he broke his leg. You know, he was probably a front runner of most improved player at that point. The problem with him is that he's never healthy. And you know, even this this year he broke his wrist. He's not supposed to be back until after the All-Star break and that's, you know, that's a, a broken wrist is a little bit different than the leg injury that he had. That's not really a long-term thing to worry about. That was just sort of a freak thing, but it's definitely, I mean, and we're, we're talking about post-2015, because before that, it was like the teams with, like, Wesley Matthews and LaMarcus Aldridge and Robin Lopez. That Since since it's been Dame's team fully. Yes. Yeah, I think Nurkic is probably the best third guy that they've had. and Well, there you go. They've had teams that were good. That team that, that, that first year where it was just him and CJ, where they had, like, al farouk aminu and mo harkless and ed davis that was an interesting team like that 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 was and that was a team that you know that beat the clippers in the first round when the clippers had all their injuries and kind of overachieved there uh i i mean you know we're getting we're getting this whole thing of in, in, into this whole thing of like roster construction i've certainly been critical of some of the moves that neil Olshey has made over the past five or six years or however long this has been dame's team entirely but uh yeah I, I do still think that you know maybe 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 Portland East is not the thing you want to be you know emulating unless I mean I think I think where I struggle with this is that just so much of what Dame like of what Portland has been able to do is because of Dame yeah and yeah. I don't and this is kind of going back to what I was saying about Zach in terms of how the league sees him. If this was Damian Lillard up for a contract in a couple of years and they have to decide, you know, there would not be any question about And In fact, that actually happened when he was up for the the Supermax uh, the summer of 2019. They offered it to him on July 1st. He signed it on July 1st. It was never a question from either side that that was going to get done. Nobody thought that was a bad idea because he had been worth it at that point. I don't think that, you know, again, this is going back to the fact that we're even talking about whether Zach Levine has a long-term future in Chicago, even though you know you may come down on one side or another, the fact that anybody's even talking about it, whether they should, you know, reinvest in him long-term, to me, just you know, is a sign that he's not in kind of that same sphere that Dame is in. Even if maybe their their numbers this year are similar, or you know the way they play, you know their their playing style is similar. Like it's a totally different caliber of. Player and guy to like build your team around.
1: Yeah, well, Dame is. I, mean, I think we would both agree top seven probably in the league, right? Top six,
2: somewhere around, somewhere around there.
1: Five, six, seven is where I'd have him too. five to five
2: to five to ten, five to ten range, somewhere yes. Right there.
1: Yes, yeah, and you know Zach's not there yet. Probably this year he's somewhere between eleven and fifteen. But uh, you know that's my point. He's twenty five, right? It's just amazing how young this kid is, and he's getting better every year. And I think. In Chicago, we just have a tendency to always look out in the distance and not see what's emerging. I saw it in 2010. I still remember those conversations in 2010 and 11, early that year. Like, you know, what can we? What else do we need to add? And I'm like, we don't need to add anything. This is this team's good enough to challenge. And if Thibodeau would have played Corver a little more, I think there's an entire possibility we could have beat uh, the Heat that year. Um, you know, I digress. I want to go a little bit into 2009 because you remember that year where the Bulls. Uh, played the um, the Celtics in that famous seven-game series. And I don't know if you recall... This is Rose's rookie year. This is Rose's rookie year. And I remember driving around the city. Where were you in 2009, Sean? I don't remember. I was, it was in college. In college. So that year, I remember driving around the city uh, for my job and heading into work in the city and listening to sports radio. And then in February, it was February, January, Dang got hurt. And... The whole attitude on the radio was negative. Ben Gordon had signed a tender for, uh, became, he would be an unrestricted free agent at the end of that year, basically a one-year tender. And the whole attitude was, this team sucks. Uh, Noah was on that team. You know, you need to just, just blow it up, tank, you know, and, and nobody had thought, you know, Rose, although was having a great year, he nobody thought he'd be an MVP in a few years. And what did the Bulls do? Instead of getting worse and and, and trying to purposely tank, they traded for Brad Miller and John Salmons, And they made a run. They got to the playoffs. They won seven games. I'd argue that playoff series was more valuable for the development of Noah and Rose than Tom Thibodeau was. Do you agree with that statement?
2: I don't know about more valuable. It was definitely valuable. And I mean, it definitely, having been through that, especially that, uh, that Celtics team, that was the year that Kevin Garnett uh, was, was out. He, did he get hurt in the second? Was he out for that series? He was or? out for the
1: whole series. He watched and swore at everybody. But still, I mean, they still had Rondo right. playing at a high level. Well,
2: right. No, that no, that's, no, that Celtics team was really good. No, I, I no, yeah, but, like, uh, I, I mean, definitely, I mean, that Celtics team was good to the point where, like, I think if that Celtics team had had Garnett, I think they probably would have
1: made Agree, the finals. Agreed 100%. Yeah. But... Yeah,
2: but like, and so, like, but that's the thing. This is what I was saying before about not trading, not necessarily trading Thad Young. Let's say that they get the seventh seed and they play Brooklyn or Philly in the uh, first round. They will probably lose to either one of those teams. In fact, I'm pretty confident saying they would lose to either one of those teams. But you have to, you know, you, for you know these guys who have never played in a playoff game before. They have to know, okay, this is how good you have to be to win four out of seven games against another really good team. They have to experience that stuff firsthand. I mean, there's a reason you hear so much talk of, like, different, you know, like, coaches of lottery teams will take their players to a game in the playoffs or the finals when it's just two other teams playing. hmm just to you know, show them, hey, this is you know, this is what the intensity is like. This is what the atmosphere is like when you get into the playoffs and into the finals. You know, this is this is what it has to what it has to be, and you experience that firsthand. And I think experiencing that firsthand is valuable for these guys, and that's why I mean, going back to what we talked about before, but I would kind of lean towards unless you again if you get an offer that's like incredible that you can't like again that minnesota pick from the the warriors that's a different thing they're not that's not going to be on the table so i think that keeping thad young riding this out and then maybe in the summer you make a decision about you know do you want to you know go forward with him again and have him be your veteran again like well, you know let's say that they make the playoffs and let's say they lose to Brooklyn or Philly or Milwaukee or whoever, but it's a competitive series. Let's say they take him to six games or something. Then they might just say, hey, you know, we already have Fad Young. You know, he's our veteran. Let's add a couple more pieces and keep this going and run it back. And now maybe we're ready to, you know, take a step into being a top four seed. Like, I think there's value in just kind of being, you know, having that continuity and not just... Oh, well, we might make the playoffs and lose in the first round. So let's take a step back and get another draft pick that may or may not pan out. Like th- that's just like I understand the math behind that, but that's just that's just not really where where I come down generally on these things.
1: I, I agree 100 percent with though, what you said. Look at the Jazz this year. The Jazz are essentially the same team they were last year. But can anybody argue that they're not, they're they're not better this year? It's there is something in continuity in these guys developing, getting better, and Donovan Mitchell getting better, and 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 you know I I. I I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for the Bulls to stand put and see tremendous improvement. Wendell Carter Jr. has looked fantastic in the last five games. Patrick Williams is getting better. To say, like, in two years or a year, this team looks considerably better and takes a jump into the top four.
2: I it's mean, possible. I think that just given how top-heavy the Eastern Conference is, I mean, I think it's going to be pretty it's, – it's not that hard in the East – to be a playoff team and stay a playoff team, even if you don't have a superstar consistently, like look at Indy, you know, Indy's been pretty good for a number of years in a row, even after they lost Paul George, they, and then even like with Oladipo being hurt all those years, they were still kind of able to stay in there, but that has a ceiling. Like nobody ever looks at Indy and says, this is a title team. This is a team that's going to, uh, you know, this is, this is a team that's going to challenge to make the finals. Like that, that that's never been the thing. They've just kind of been a solid playoff team every year. And, you know, you, you kind of have to – you have to have, like – I mean, especially, you know, you now you're in a conference where the top teams are a team that has Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, a team that has Giannis, the two-time reigning MVP, mm-hmm. and Chris Middleton, who's also a multiple-time All-Star, a team with – you know, freaking Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. (laughs) (laughs) And then I still think Miami. Miami is kind of in that same, like, cluster of teams right now. But, you know, once they get healthy, they've been playing better lately. They're, like, they're gonna. you know, they have Jimmy and Bam, and that's two guys that, you know, are better than anybody on this Bulls team. Like, you know, the Bulls need somebody to be, you know, uh, at that level. And I think that, you know maybe Zach is that guy. I think he needs to get along offensively before he can be talked about in the same sentence as like a Jimmy Butler or a Giannis or whoever, but maybe Patrick Williams develops into that guy. I like a lot of what I've seen of him. I think he's still very raw. I think he's several years out from developing into that guy. I don't think you can expect that from him like in the next couple of years, yeah, but whether it's, you know, one of these guys developing into that and like him, you know, Patrick Williams having like a Jimmy Butler or Kawhi Leonard trajectory where, they develop a little bit late into this all-NBA guy, or you go out and you get somebody like that in free agency, or, you know, you you, know, you go out, like, let's say you trade a bunch of these guys for, you know, Bradley Beal if he becomes available, who whichever one of these guys. You have to get a guy who's, like, a blue-chip guy like that, and I don't think Zach Levine is quite on the level of, okay, well, the Bucks have Giannis, the Sixers have Embiid, the Nets have their three guys. Yeah, but the Bulls have Zach Levine. I don't see Zach as, like, that in that discussion yet
1: hmm. yeah that can only happen if they do go to the playoffs and have some success and then get that reputation you know agreed I think that's why it's so important I do want to get a little bit uh onto Jimmy you mentioned Jimmy what was the last year again that you covered the team 2015 or 16 what was the last year you were with the team three alphas zero. Okay, great. So you were there that year. Oh my gosh. So yeah, the Jimmy Butler trade. Being around the team that year, did you agree with that trade? Uh, it's a big debate right now. Did the Bulls win that trade? I I think it's hard to argue. Right now, if you were going forward, would you rather have a 25 year old Zach Levine making 19.5 million this year or next, or Jimmy Butler making 32, 33, 34, and 37 the next three years at the age of 32? Well, who would you rather have? You know, I think it's clear it's Zach Levine. Well,
2: considering. Considering Jimmy just took a team to the finals, I thought it was a bad trade at the time. For the Bulls, I still would not have done it going back. But this is also—I think that that trade, like, and yes, you know, obviously Levine's been great this year. You know, he kind of redeems the whole thing. You know, you, if you want not make that argument, you can't. I get that, and obviously Jimmy thing blew up in Minnesota. I, you know, I, I, I get all that. I think the fact that they even did that trade is a huge indictment of previous regime of the front office, because they tried to build around Jimmy. They rose, they decided that Jimmy was going to be their guy, and then they said we're going to get younger and more athletic, we're going to you know, get these, you know, we're going to get guys that make sense around Jimmy. And then they go out and talk to, you know, veterans. Or past their prime basically because they're big names and they'd sell tickets. Then when that didn't work out, which every single person saw come, they just threw their hands up and were like, well, I guess you can't build around Jimmy Butler. So let's trade him. Like didn't really try to actually build a team in a way that made sense. And I, you know, I've had this argument with, with our mutual friend, Nick Friedel a million times, because Nick, I think is more, you know, sympathetic toward the idea of trading Jimmy than, than I was at the time. I think, you know, there's there's a school of thought that, like, yes, what is happening with Jimmy in Miami wouldn't have happened here. Or not here. I say here like I'm still there, but it wouldn't have happened in Chicago. But to me, that's the problem. Like, why wouldn't it have happened there? It's because they didn't have the organization. Like, I think that's more of a...
0: You know. Hey, what's up? It's Emily, and I'm pretty sure that compassionate, coordinated healthcare is something on the top of everyone's mind. That is why I love Live by Advantia Health. From primary care to mental health and gynecology to obstetrics, Live understands these are all connected and important to you. Live is a membership based practice in the heart of DC that prioritizes your experience. Plus, Live accepts all major insurance. So take charge of your healthcare on your schedule and choose Live. Learn more and become a member by searching for Live by Advantia, L I V by Advantia.
2: If you know, the fact that they made the trade I think is more of a bulls problem than a jimmy problem. I think it's the you know, the fact that they didn't even try to really build around Jimmy and go younger and guy get guys that were more aligned with his uh his you know, age group. They basically just signed Dwayne Way because he'd sell tickets and then when that didn't work out, they just were like, well, I guess Jimmy Butler can't be the number one guy on a championship team and then just kind of cut bait before they had to. He didn't want to leave. He would have signed that supermax extension and I, I, you can always, I know there's like, with every one of these contracts, you can worry on the back end about, oh, you know, he's going to be making X amount of $30 million, 40 whatever, and, you know, yeah, that's going to take up the cap when he's that age. If you have a player that good, you pay it and then worry about the last few years of the contract later, because if he takes you to the finals like he did with Miami, like, that contract that he's making... It- it might not look great by the end if his body breaks down, but you know what? He took the team to the finals, and they were competitive at times with the Lakers with the injuries that they had. You sign up for that every time. When you have a player that good, you pay him, and then you kind of worry about the other stuff later. And, you know, if you're doing your job, you can build around him so that, you know, you can, you can mitigate some of that stuff. And I don't think the previous Bulls regime was really equipped to do that. And I don't think the fact that now suddenly, after the old front office guys are gone, now Zach Levine with... A real coach that, you know, those guys wouldn't have hired because they wanted to keep Jim Boylan. Now he's looking like the guy they thought he was. I don't think that really vindicates them as much as it's actually like, well, why wasn't he this under them?
1: Well, let's go back to that time. 2016, first of all, Dwayne Wade came off of just an incredible playoffs. So there was no indication that. He was out of gas. I mean, I
2: feel like you and I. I feel like you and I relitigate Dwayne Wade <laughs> signing every single
1: time. <laughs> well, I just got yes. to. I, I do feel like we have to just go back to that time really quick because I do got to say this. And that's number one. Number two, he still averaged eighteen points in twenty nine minutes per game. It's like, yeah, he wasn't the old Dwayne Wade. I think we'll go a long time before we have a shooting guard average eighteen points in twenty nine minutes for the Bulls. I don't know if it's possible. Well, obviously Zach Levine can do it, but I mean, like a, a guy like a second banana. I thought he was fine, and more importantly, you know what? Though Jimmy Fred, wanted him. Jimmy Freddy, wanted him.
2: You can. It's not. It's not just Jimmy wanted him. The front office wanted him because they thought he would sell tickets, and he's a big name. They didn't I, I, sign him for.
1: How do you know that, Sean? Reasons. How do you that know was, that? Like I'd counter like. No, because I, think they I wanted him because they wanted to the win. I covered
2: I covered that team. I was off speed. I do I do know that that was a big part of their thinking. It's like, "Oh, he's from Robbins. He'll sell jerseys." Like it's going to be a thing we can market. Like that, that that move made no sense from a basketball standpoint because it came after the Rondo signing. Just signing Rondo, I would have I understood that because they, you know, they just they traded Rose. They decided they weren't going to trade because remember they almost traded Jimmy to the Celtics on draft night right after they traded Rose. At the last minute they decided not to.
1: Thank God. And when
2: you decide you're not going to trade, yeah. Right. Well when you decide you're not going to trade Jimmy, that means you're going to be competitive and if you're going to be competitive you need a point guard and Rondo was basically the only, you know, good point guard that was available. Like I understood the Rondo thing, but thinking that those three were going to be able to play together in a sustainable way just like yeah, that never made sense from day one.
1: It and worked. And it, they were up 2-0 maybe, on the Celtics. They, it worked. That's my they
2: whole point. They were up 2-0, and yeah, they, they, will, they, will, they will point to that all day. They will say, yeah, of we course. were up 2-0. Maybe they, maybe they do win that. Maybe they win that series. But if they win that series, then they have, you know, are, are they ju- they're they justified in running that team back. And then, you know, is that team going to, is what are you doing? Like, you're basically still just, like, spinning your wheels. Like, the what they should have done. I mean, the best basketball they played all year that year was that, like, six week or four week or whatever stretch near the end of the season yes. where
1: yeah
2: Wade was out with the elbow injury and it was like Jimmy and Miritich and yeah you know Lopez and who was the I forget who even like was like Paul Zipser or whoever <laughs> like <laughs> that's right well like
1: but you hit on the point though that's the whole point Nico Miritich shot 29% up until March from three he was terrible for the first four months they make the trade. They send Taj out. They send uh, Doug McDermott out. And Miritich was so key to that team because he he was the one guy that could spread the floor, and he failed miserably for the first couple months. Then, he, of course, he gets hot down the stretch in the regular season. There's very little pressure by that point. And he does what he always does. He chokes in the playoffs. Like, Nico was the key to that team. That It's like the three alphas, but Nico, we needed him to go to make that team work. He didn't go. He sucked. He was shooting twenty nine percent from three, like into March, and then yeah, then he got the high other
2: high. thing that I will say, Fred, about the Dwayne Wade thing. I'm sorry to cut you off, no, but fine. the thing that the other thing that the thing that I will also say about about the Wade thing, you can point to, you know, he averaged this and this at this age. Like you can, what you know, sure, he, you know, by like his box score stats, he was good for that team that year. That locker room was so. Toxic that year that was just One of the most functional locker rooms I've ever Covered and that Was due in large part To the fact That Jimmy and Wade Basically only hung Out with each other and they you know all the young guys on the team You remember that I mean, obviously the whole thing with the instagram posts and like rondo was the guy who came out looking like the good guy because he was the one that took up for the young guys that locker room was so divided it was basically just jimmy and wade on one side everybody else on the other side and basically jimmy or when jimmy and wade became really tight during that uh time and that you know that that you know i, I ended up leading to jimmy deciding he wanted to go to miami but Like, I think when he started hanging out with Dwayne Wade is when he really started to get really into the, you know, the lifestyle aspects of being an NBA superstar. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Like,
1: why is that Wade's fault? Like, did the locker room hated Jimmy and Because it
2: was his influence. Because that was the whole thing. he bring Dwayne Wade around and he, that's, that's what you know, Jimmy, you know, him and Jimmy, you know, became become tight, and, like, it, it, it's a whole, it, it's a whole thing, I, mean, I was, I was there, I saw it, I saw it every day, those two only hung out with each other, those two only respected each other, and nobody else on the team, and those two were always, like, talking about accountability among all those young, Agreed. all these young guys, and, and, you know, they, meanwhile, they were, like, taking days off of practice, and, and all this other stuff, like, they, like, the, the whole thing with the, you know, the Instagram post and, you know, the, that whole situation, Jimmy and Wade were, like, talking about how, like, they blew this lead because, you know, these young guys just don't want it badly enough. As if, like, Paul Zipser was the reason that they lost one of those games or something. Like, come on.
1: Well, that was what that happened, was, though. Like, Paul Zipser took a, sh- bricked a shot in the last two minutes, and you know who the other guy was? Nico Miritich bricked the a shot. They blew that game. They're pissed. They come out, and they, that, whole, that whole scene went down, like... I, I, I've heard this argument before. It's like it's all on Wade, and my counter is, no, it's partly on Jimmy. He's the leader of the team. He's the guy everybody's looking to, and if he was causing that division, like Rondo correctly pointed out, that's partly on Jimmy. You can't just blame it all on Dwayne.
2: You it's can't not blame- all on Wade, but I think Wade brought out some of that stuff in Jimmy that was maybe a negative presence that maybe wouldn't have gotten brought out in the same way if he didn't have a future Hall of Famer basically validating what he was doing.
1: I, yeah, But if Wade wasn't there, they started out super hot. They were much better than people expected. And then, you know, Wade got hurt the last 20 games. But, when but he their best to, stretch
2: of the season was the time that Wade was out. Those three never made two of Boston. the three maybe. But.
1: The best stretch was the two wins in Boston. That was real. I was there. I was in Boston. I saw the fear and all this. I was there fans. too. Yeah, was at every game. You remember those games. When Rondo was on the court, they were significantly better in the Celtics. You agree, right? They would have won that series. I don't.
2: That th- yeah, that was a Rondo thing. I don't think Wade was great in that series.
1: Yeah, he had some nice moments down the stretch in that game. Too. Yeah,
2: uh, but Wade know, is, wasn't but Wade good in that was series the- either
1: was, was Butler. That's the problem. He sucked in that series, and if you're that guy, if you're that top ten player, you got to win one of those last four games. I mean, I'll never forget that game three. That was the worst game I've ever seen from Jimmy Butler. It was just so disheartening when you got a chance to put the foot on the throat. And they lost that game because of Jimmy. It wasn't because of... Bobby Portis who played good in that series. It wasn't because of any other young guys. It was because of Jimmy in Game Three. Now he played better in four, five, and six. But you got to win one of those. Like that's my whole argument on this thing. Like I, I understand now in retrospect. And one more thing, Sean, do you really believe they would have gone to the finals if that if it wasn't for COVID? If it wasn't in the bubble as a fifth seed? Really? That's not going to happen, right?
2: I could have seen it. I, I I wouldn't have been stunned by it, especially after they did the Iguadala trade.
1: They're going to go on the road and win I, three straight series.
2: That Heat team was good. Like I I, 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 understand the, you know that that team that team was a good matchup for the uh they, they were a bad matchup for the Bucks they were a bad matchup for the Celtics. I don't think that you know you magically put some of those games in Boston and like that means that now the Celtics are going to win this. I I think that Heat team was good. I, I think saying that is not giving enough credit to. How good that Heat team was, and how good Jimmy was, how good Bam was. I don't think Tyler it was Hero. entirely because of yeah, here, yeah, here like Duncan Robinson. I don't think that series was in like the, he went to the finals entirely. I think they would have. I don't know if anybody would have picked them to make the finals going into the playoffs. Nobody really picked them to make it anyway. But that team would have been in the mix. Like that team was good. That was not a purely you know bubble COVID fluke.
1: See, I disagree. I think it was a bubble induced finals appearance, and we'll never see them again. Under the current iteration, I don't think Bam and Butler are good enough to beat Boston or Philly or Milwaukee. And most and most nights now, I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe I'm wrong, but this is the year you got to see it, right? I mean, I'd rather have either
2: one of those two long term than anybody on the Bulls right now.
1: No, I, I I don't think that's true. I think Zach Levine at 25 right now. Would you now. trade?
2: Would you trade? Any, is there anybody on the Bulls that you wouldn't trade for Bam?
1: Yeah, Zach Levine. I think Zach Levine's a better player. I than
2: would, that's that's insane to me. I would I would do that I would do that in two seconds. Oh, see, I don't think that's even a discussion. I I, I can't believe you're
1: saying this. Bam Bam is not better than Zach Levine. He's not on the All Star team. Bam, Zach Levine is a better player than Joe Manta Like they're different players. It's hard to compare. It's like comparing Donovan Mitchell to you know Jokic. I guess. Well, not that's not a good analogy. But I think if you had to say, hey, you're on a court, uh, thirty GMs. You're you're picking between those two. What percentage do you think are taking Bam over Zach? I guess this is a good question.
2: I think I think a better I think better than fifty percent would take Bam first. I'd say it's probably closer to seventy five or eighty percent. No way. Or
1: higher. I don't know. I don't know. That's a tough one. Bam does a lot, a lot of nice things defensively, but I don't think he's better than Zach Levine. He's definitely not better offensively. We'll put put it that way. But it's, it's a good. I don't know. You have
2: a you have a center who's averaging you know twenty. 10 and 5. You have a, if you averaging 5 assists as a center while also being a dominant scorer and playing, you know, being a defensive player of the year level, you know, defender, he's kind of in I mean he has been like he's been hurt but like he's been in, you know, he's in that discussion, you know, as as far as how good to a defender he is. I like, I think Bam's a way more valuable player to have. Like if it's, I if I were starting a team, I would again, I had if I had the choice of, you know, either of those two players, I I don't think about that for a second.
1: Well, if you picked up Bam Adebayo and dropped him on the Bulls and took Zach and dropped him on the Heat, the Bulls aren't 15 and 16. There's no way. He's not going to make them better. I don't think the Heat better. are better than they are now. They're 15 and 17, the Heat. They're behind the Bulls. Who, who's Zach Levine's second best player? It's probably Thad Young. I mean, Batman Bio has Jimmy Butler next the
2: Heat to him. Are, the Heat have the record that they have because Jimmy missed a month, though.
1: Yeah, He missed, I think, nine games or so, right? He missed a part of it. But Bam's played almost every game. That's another thing, too. Like and the he's Bulls haven't had ramblin'. missed guys. The Bulls have been missing Larry Marketing, Wendell Carter Jr. They've had COVID issues. Not
2: as big of an impact as missing Jimmy Butler. Uh, fair Either enough. one of those guys. Fair enough.
1: All fair enough. Good. These are all good points. I don't know how we got onto
2: this uh Digression.
1: I do love talking because,
2: to I again, because every single time no, this is this is <laughs> great. I just I feel like every single time you and I do this, we end up relitigating, you know, the three alphas and
1: whether That's, That's such a fascinating period though, Sean. You know what I mean? It was such a, so I, I want to go back I, to
2: it's definitely the most memorable team I've ever covered, I will say that.
1: You were covering the two thousand fifteen playoffs. Right with Paul Gasol, that team which I love uh, that lost to the yeah team that game. was
2: yeah that was the last Tibbs year yeah the 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 the, the David Black fighter pilot uh, press conference.
1: <laughs> Wait, what happened in that one? I don't. Was that the one where we called? Well, that off? was
2: that was the that was the during, the during the Cavs series when LeBron hits the buzzer beater, uh, and then he totally throws David Blatt under the bus <laughs> after the game and basically said, yeah. uh-uh. You know, the coach called up a different play, and I said no. Like he basically just completely threw David Blatt under the bus, and then David Blatt was asked about it, and he was like, "Well, you know, being a basketball coach is like being a fighter pilot. Uh, you know, you have to make a million decisions every minute, and like it was just, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a good time."
1: Can we talk about that one more, a little bit longer before we wrap this up? I really appreciate the time you've given me, but I'm enjoying I'll myself too much. I'm enjoying myself. Let's go back to that Tibbs year. Did you feel Tibbs lost that team?
2: I think at a certain I don't know if Tibbs lost that team I just think at a certain point guys were over it just when you know when you've been with a guy for a, a certain length of time you just kind of start to tune him out mm-hmm. and I do know I do know that the only two guys in on that team like the the the, the management made the decision before you know But basically, before the season, like like, at, at like the trade deadline or whatever, they were gonna fire him. Like Hoiberg had been their guy for like a year. They were grooming him. Like that was like the worst kept secret in the league. They were gonna fire him no matter what. But I do know that they went through the motions in exit interviews of asking the players, "Will you want him to be back or not?" The only two players on the team that actually fought for Tibbs and said, "I wanted to be back," are Rose and Taj.
1: Interesting. So Jimmy said no. But
2: huh? yeah. I think Jimmy was kind of over it by then, and so was Joe. I think both of those two came to appreciate what they had later because both of them were such you know opposite of personalities from Fred Hoiberg. I think what like I think they were kind of done with Tom at the time, and then once the Hoiberg thing, because obviously him and Joe got off on such a bad foot with the whole you know Nico thing, and then uh, Jimmy with the whole coaches harder thing. I think once they saw what the complete opposite extreme end of the spectrum in terms of the intensity of a coach was like, they were just like, yeah, you know, I think we had something good with Tom here. And then, you, you know, you saw, you know, Jimmy wanted to play for him again in Minnesota and, uh, Joe has spoken highly of him, but I think at the time, yeah, it, it, it had kind of run its course. I don't think it was so much he lost the team as much as the relationship between him and management was, just so broken and it was so toxic and I don't and you know we can relitigate that all day if you want there was fault on both sides there for sure but like I think it was more about him with management than it was about him losing the team even though I think most of the guys were not that upset when he got fired
1: yeah so Gasol got hurt in that Cleveland series with the Bulls up 2-1 do you feel if he would have remained healthy the Bulls could have won that second round series.
2: Are we putting LeBron on the Bulls now, or?
1: <laughs> well, they would have been up. They should have been up three one if they would have given the timeout to Blatt. You remember that whole situation, right? I don't think
2: it's out of the. I realm do, of the, that, was, that was the same game as that was the same game as the fighter pilot. Game.
1: Yes. So the fighter pilot called timeout. They didn't grant him. It should have been a technical. The Bulls win that game. They're up three one. All they got to do is win one. My whole point is if if Gasol never gets hurt, I thought Gasol was. Rock solid. The Cavs
2: there. were down three one at a different point in that same play. Or no, that was the next year, but uh
1: no, so you, you the the Warriors, did... the
2: Warriors next year. That's my bad. But still I, I'm win. still I'm still leaning towards the team that has LeBron. I still I still feel like LeBron is and I and I said this at the time. You can go back and read whatever I wrote at the time. I always felt like, okay, the you know, the the Bulls had the better coach, the Bulls had the better, you know, the deeper team, the the bulls didn't have lebron that was my stance the whole time i still i kind of still was going with that
1: and throw out just a few more names and we'll wrap this up and i can't thank you enough sean i'm gonna throw a name in, of course the, uh, association first things that come to mind bobby
2: portis bobby's my guy i love bobby uh and i'm very happy to see him actually having a good you know he kind of found this role for himself in milwaukee where he's kind of the energy guy off the bench but I, I i love bobby and i think he got like he's he's a really good dude and i think that the nico thing was totally out of character for him and i think he got kind of a weird reputation because of that and he hasn't been great in some of the other places like he wasn't very good in new york he wasn't very good in washington he wasn't very good a lot of the time with the bulls but he's been good in milwaukee i want nothing but good things for him
1: denzel valentine
2: so who is he in portland east for you I'm surprised you didn't go Denzel Valentine as me. I'm surprised that's not what he went with. That.
1: Well, you got to admit, he's been impressive this year, right? I don't know if you've heard about any. First of all, I came out with an album, which has been consistently played in our house and uh, very enjoyable.
2: Are you, bump... Are you bumping the Denzel? What's your favorite track on the Denzel Valentine uh, album? I, I will admit I have not listened
1: to it. <laughs> There's a song called Paper Cuts What is Z? Cuts What is a Z. Highly recommend it.
2: Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Here, all right. Check, I will check out check the help Valentine.
1: <laughs> but did you have what did you think of him? I mean, he he's he's having a good year, right? I mean he's a solid. I don't rotation think he was,
2: I he's been, he's been fine this year. I I mean, I think all of this these guys who are better now than they have been in the past, I think a lot of that is more of an indictment of uh, the previous coach yeah. than it is of like how is that? How do you make like how bad of a coach do you have to be to make Thad Young not look good?
1: <laughs> they turned him into like, Kyle Thad Korver. Young is the
2: most like malleable. Th- Thad Young is like the most malleable, like no drama, just low maintenance. Like does whatever the team asks. You know, defense first. Like you know, glue guy that there is in the league. He's like one of the best teammates. Like he's you know just like just a really solid guy to have. Like for a guy like that to be like openly complaining about his role and wanting a trade, like like. How bad do you have to be to get that to happen?
1: Yeah, agreed. Uh, uh, two more names. Mike Dunleavy.
2: Senior or junior?
1: Junior. I loved Mike Dunleavy Jr. I thought he was a... Go, go ahead. I, I don't want to color my your answer.
2: Well, because, because because Mike Dunleavy Sr. was the coach of the Blazers. Oh, that's right. The, you know, the, <laughs> that, that 2000 conference finals run. Uh, <laughs> I have, I have <laughs> Warriors fan friends who think that... The Warriors hiring Mike Dunleavy in their front office more so than, you know, the KD injury or the Clay injury was the moment that things turned for in a bad way for the uh, for the Warriors.
1: Mike Dunleavy Junior. or Senior? Wait, I didn't even know which junior. one. Junior got hired by the Warriors. Wait, what? yeah,
2: like three years ago, he's in their front office now.
1: How did I miss this? Wait, and this was the turning point. Why? What? Are you kidding me? Like I never heard this before. That's
2: this is that. This is this is just like I think it's kind of a running joke among a couple of friends of mine who are Warriors fans and who hated him back when he was on the Warriors. Like, <laughs> I mean, he was he was fine when he was on the Bulls. He you know he, he was he, good. You know, he wasn't making that much. He, he did what he did what they asked him to do.
1: Yeah, he was good. He had a couple big games. I remember against yeah. the Wizards in the playoffs and. I, I always liked Dunley. I thought he was an underrated player. He almost made my all underrated list. So Did you, did you like him?
2: Or well, I just remember the, 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 he's, a, he's, a, he's a good guy. I never had a problem with him. The thing I mainly remember is his is like him and Giannis getting into it in that first-round yes. series uh, in 2015.
1: Yes, exactly. That was pretty shot. funny. The cheap shot uh, by Giannis taking him into the front row in Game 6. The Bulls won by, like, 60.
2: <laughs> uh,
1: Kirk Heinrich. Kirk Heinrich, what's your take on him? Yeah, I would argue one of the most overrated Bulls of all time.
2: Well, when I had him, I wasn't there for the first uh, Heinrich run, like because because he because he was really good on some of those you know early Rose and Noah teams. I I had him the second time when he was kind of past his prime and Tibbs was playing him too much and you know Terrible. the thing I mainly remember the the thing that I mainly remember about that is. They, you know, they trade him during that, you know, that, was it the, uh, did they trade him to the Hawks during the Hoiberg year or the Tibbs year? It was the Hoiberg year. The first Hoiberg year. They traded him, and then like a month later, he comes back with the Hawks. And they don't even make a new tribute video for him. They just run back the same tribute video that they played that they they played for him the first time when he was on like the Wizards or, or wherever he.
1: Well, he, in fairness was. to the Bulls, there were no more highlights to show. So
2: well that that might be part of it but i just i just remember that like it was just it was like the most bulls thing like they didn't want to spend money to have their game ops make a new tribute video for the guy it was the exact same thing it was it was where the streets have no name by u2 was the song for whatever reason i maybe he's like a big u2 guy i don't know but uh i just remember that being so funny that it was, it was just the exact same tribute video that they ran back both times
1: sean that's the best story i've, I've not heard that before but you're right, that is so Bulls. Oh, my God, that's a classic. Hey, man, thank you so much for your time. One last question to wrap this up, and this will be the last one, I promise. The Lakers have lost now, I think okay. I think they lost again tonight, four in a row. And you know there's a full PR effort. Do you have a vote for MVP? I don't. There's a full effort for to get LeBron, the, you know, I think it's clear, get him the MVP.
2: Oh, yeah. I've written this multiple times. I wrote when when Giannis won MVP last year, and then LeBron came out and said that he was pissed off that he only got 16 first place votes. I wrote that day that LeBron was going to win MVP the next year. <laughs> oh, really? Well, because he was said because he was setting the stage of him 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 saying that he's snubbed, and I, mean, I I know where you're going with this because like Dame has also been getting a lot of that buzz lately, and well, I think like,
1: I mean how could how could you not give it to Embiid?
2: Philly's kind of, Philly's slipped a little bit. I I think that if the voters can justify giving it to LeBron, they will give it to LeBron.
1: They've lost four in a row without That's, AD. I, I don't see how this can possibly go to him. First of all, it's got to be Jokic and be I love Dame. I don't know if he's getting enough vibe. Gosh, they're like the fourth in a... The Trailblazers are 18-13. and 13. They're, they're, man, they're a lot better than I expected this year, especially with yeah. CJ McCollum out.
2: i getting, yeah. getting the Dame, the Dame buzz. Is, it's happening. Like they've, they've been talk, people have been talking about it. I think Dame is another guy that a lot of the voters would like to give the award to for the same reason that I think a lot of them wanted to give it to Derrick Rose in 2011 and the Bulls were good enough to justify
1: it. Well, if they keep on winning without CJ McCollum, I mean, he's absolutely got to vote. Yeah.
2: But well, I mean, they've just, they've now well they've now lost three in a row, so you know it's 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 been a little bit of a a little bit of a backslide. But if you know if they if they stay competitive with those with those two guys out, McCollum and Nurkic, you know if they keep winning while those two guys are out and the Lakers keep slipping, Dame again, Dame is a guy that a lot of the voters. And I know a lot of these voters. It's a lot of the you know kind of the national media people and different beat writers. Dame is a guy that I mean you have you have to keep in mind. Like there's always like political stuff that goes into this. It's not just straight up.
1: Well, yeah, who they, had the best year? LeBron is desperate like, to get that fifth MVP to, to go with Jordan. Jordan's got five. He needs it, right?
2: Well, here's here's the more here's the more important stat with LeBron and MVPs than just having the same number as Jordan. Because Kareem has six. Like that's not that wouldn't even make him have the most MVPs. But if LeBron won this year, right now the record for longest gap between your first and last MVPs is Kareem, because Kareem won his first one in seventy one when he was with the Bucks. And he won his last one in nineteen eighty. If LeBron wins it in 2021 after he won his first one in 2009 that means he was the league mvp 12 years apart which means if you want to put and i don't i'm not really a partisan one way or the other on the goat debate but if you wanted to make the longevity argument for lebron having mvps 12 years apart is a pretty big you know point in his favor and i think that's something that he that he cares about that's something that he wants he was laying the groundwork for it with the I want my damn respect speech after they won the title. If the voters can at all justify giving it to LeBron, they're going to give it to LeBron.
1: Agreed 100%. Yeah, but uh, if he keeps on losing like this without AD, it's really going to be – I think it will get a little I'll dicey.
2: He'll be it? fine. I don't think – I don't think with I – think, I think most of the time, like – what your regular season record is matters in the MVP. But I think LeBron has so much equity built in that, you know, LeBron is who he is. And I think it's pretty much understood that the Lakers are basically like, okay, you know, fine, Utah, you can have the one seat. We're we're good. We, you know, we just want to make sure AD is healthy for the playoffs. And like, I don't think that the team's record, I don't think that like a losing streak in February is really going to factor into whether people vote for LeBron for MVP or not.
1: Sean, I can't thank you enough for giving me almost an hour, over an hour here. Where can people find you? Where Where can they get in touch with you? You're truly a prince among men. Fantastic conversation as always, and I love having you on. So where can where can people find you?
2: Well, you can read my stuff at Bleacher Report. I had a piece go up last week that got a little bit of attention about NBA Top Shot. I don't know if that's something that you is on your radar or that you've you know yes. delved into.
1: So I, I bought. That's how I, I bought a Zach right Ravine, probably like. Two months ago. Are you telling me it could be worth something now? I, I How think much do you pay for it? I think I paid like up. $8 for it. It was a Zach Levine. I just wanted to test it out. And then uh, I was going to buy Denzel Valentine. Uh, I never got around to it. think <laughs> they have no Denzel <they'll> anyway. <laughs> How dare you.
2: Uh, was it just the – which? Which do you know which one it was? Uh, the
1: Zach? I don't know. Which Zach was it? I'd have to look. I'd have to look. In fact, I'll look and, and text you after. Why? Are there some that are expensive?
2: The cheapest Zach Levine – Moment is ninety five dollars right now. Oh my
1: god! So how do you sell this? How do I, how do I sell
2: this? Uh, are you are you really gonna sell it, or (laughs) don't you want to hold on to uh, (laughs) until like he becomes the next Damian Lillard and makes the Hall of Fame and (laughs) leads the Bulls to multiple
1: championships? (laughs) (laughs) Read that article then. So that's something everybody's got to read. Let's start there. Yeah. And what else? What else you've been doing? Where else can we find you? It's all on Bleacher Report, right?
2: Yeah, it's all on BR. I've got uh, you know, you can follow me on Twitter at Highkin, H-I-G-H-K-I-N. That's just my last name. So you know, whenever I write something, I'll most likely share it on there. So that's kind of where you can follow me.
1: Sean, you're the best man. I can't wait till you're back in Shy Town once this pandemic is over. I, I know it's gonna happen one day. Yeah, well, one day. You, gotta you, come you, back you and the, me both, man. For the for the the Grand Park celebration in 2023.
2: Um, for one of is that is that we're to... to remove remove the goalpost because I think wasn't it supposed to be 2021 originally?
1: Well, Boylan, I, there are two things. Although I'm a prophet, um, no, it was 2022, I think. But I'm a prophet. I could not foresee the damage that Boylan would do. Number one, and number two, uh, <laughs> the pandemic. <laughs> the pandemic. I, th- those, those are too. Yeah, points. I don't. I
2: don't think anybody really could have seen, <laughs> dude. I, I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. Uh, I it was like about a year ago. I was in Chicago for the All Star game. Oh yes, and now that's, right.
1: that's we right. are
2: where we are. I actually remember the first time I really heard about it because I think like before then I had like vaguely heard about like oh there's this virus going around in China that's you know might be kind of bad but like you know since it wasn't really here yet I wasn't really paying too much attention to it. I was at dinner with somebody on the Saturday night of that All Star weekend, and this is somebody who pays a lot more attention to this kind of stuff than I did at the time. And he was like, well, have you heard about this coronavirus? And I was like, Uh, you know, I've vaguely heard of it. And he was like, I don't know, man, this could get really bad. And then I actually, like, it just kind of escalated overnight because, like, 24 hours before the, you know, the, the Rudy Gobert positive test and everything shut down, I was at a Blazers game. I was covering a game. They were playing Phoenix. And there were fans in the arena. It was pretty full. And, I mean, they already kind of knew that this was going to be a thing to the point where they weren't letting us in the locker room just for safety reasons, but they still had fans in the arena. Yeah,
1: I'm and then go. yeah,
2: and then the night of the positive test, I was actually back at the arena because I was seeing Tool. And uh, like while the show was going on, I get an alert on my phone that Rudy Gobert had tested positive, and the NBA season was shut down. And I basically haven't gone anywhere since then. It's, oh my it's god, been... you were
1: at a concert that night seeing
2: Tool. I was.
1: Unbelievable! How many people were there?
2: It was at the Rose Garden and it was sold out, so 20000
1: Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That...
2: A, maybe in retrospect, in retrospect, maybe I shouldn't have gone, but I also no. like
1: yeah, I, I was tools, at an NBA terrible. game
2: the night, the night before. I was going to go to an NBA game the next day before the season got shut down.
1: Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's still kind of surreal that all this has happened, you know, but hopefully yeah. there's a I think there is. I mean, I'm starting to feel better about there's a finally a, a
2: I mean, the, John, the Johnson and Johnson, the FDA approved the Johnson and Johnson vaccine today. So now there's three vaccines that are out there. So hopefully that means more people can get it sooner. And then, you know, maybe by the summer, we'll be back to something close to normal. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I agree too.
1: Hey, all the best to you, my friend. And I can't wait to, let's talk again soon, hopefully, man. I, I can't thank you enough for all the time you've given me. You're the best, brother.
2: Always oh, great to talk to you, man.
1: Talk to you later, Sean. Bye-bye, man.